Hey everybody, it's Pastor Paul. It is Monday morning, April. You know, I'm not wearing my watch, so I'm thinking it's the 19th of 2021. We've had a week break. Uh, the pastors um, and wives were off on a retreat um, and watching the Gospel Coalition and doing some different things. And so that was super restful, relaxing, replenishing, renewing all those R words. And now we're back at it here coming down the home stretch of the school year and coming down the home stretch really of our walk through the book of Exodus. So we started way back in January and the thought was this would be a great um, portion of God's word to dive into right on the heels of our preaching through the book of Genesis on Sunday mornings at Four Oaks Killarn. And we are up through three quarters of this book. Uh, of Exodus, um, the subsequent um, story of how God delivered the Israelites related to the tabernacle and priestly garments and sacrifices. And, and here we are now up to chapter 31. And I want to introduce you to two um, what are otherwise obscure men, um, Oliab and Bezalel, or Bezalel. And so just think about those two names for a minute and let me and let me read um, how they fit into the story two rather obscure men who we really don't hear much else about um, here they get a mention their 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 10 minutes of fame as Andy Warhol would say um, and let's see what um, Moses has to say about these two men so this is verse 31 in chapter I'm sorry this is verse 1 in chapter 31 of Exodus so the Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Ur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, and cutting stones for everything, for setting, and in carving wood, to work in every craft. And behold, I have appointed with him Oliab, the son of of Amishamach of the tribe of Dan. And I've given to all men, all able men, ability that they may make all that I have commanded you, the tent of meeting and the ark of the testimony and the mercy seat that is on it, and all the furnishings of the tent, the table and its utensils, and the pure lampstand with all its utensils, and the altar of incense and the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils and the basin and its stand and the finely worked garments, the holy garments for Aaron the priest and garments of his sons for their service as priests and the anointing oil and the fragrant incense for the holy place according to all that i have commanded you they shall do now we've seen in these previous chapters how god has given these specific instructions for what the tent of meeting is to look like and how the furnishings of this tent of meeting um what they're to look like and what they're to be like and we know that they were patterned after um, heavenly patterns um, in terms of sacrifice, in terms of holiness and prayer and those sorts of things. But interestingly, it's not as if God just um, supernaturally in that way um, makes these things appear or gives them over to the Israelites. Interestingly enough, um, they are to construct these items. 
um, which is interesting. The, these very holy items are to actually be constructed by hand. They're not going to appear out of thin air. Um, and, and as we've seen, the materials for these items came from um, the Egyptians themselves, when the Israelites plundered the Egyptians. But we, we, we have to ask, but who's going to do all this work? Who's going to put these things together? Um, who's going to build them? And here we're introduced to these two men. Now, what's interesting about this, um, Oliab and Bezalel, is that otherwise there's really no mention of them in Scripture. However, okay, they, um, and, 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 and let me just, a side note, imagine what it's like for them coming out of the land of Israel. They're sort of at a distance um, up to this point, seeing all these things go down. They're seeing God's meeting with Moses on the mountain, and they're seeing Aaron and the inner circle of God's leadership. And they're just, you know, folks. They're just part of the two million that's come out of Egypt. And they might be tempted to think that what they do or what they have to contribute or their role in God's story is rather obscure. But, but as we see, it is, it's not, okay? God has given it over to these two men to lead the effort in constructing all the materials um, and furnishings of the tabernacle, okay? And, and, and I love the way that Moses describes this. These were men, look at verse 3, who've been filled with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship. Okay, look down in verse 6, And I have given to all able men ability, that they may make all that I have commanded you. And these are men who had a set of skills, gifts, okay, in artistic design and in construction and in building. And I'm sure up to this point, it would have been very easy for them to think that those sorts of things were mundane. Those, those sorts of skills were were you know were were lowly okay or they were more secular the really important stuff the holy stuff right the men of god uh that's the sacred stuff and of course um we can be tempted to view our lives in the same way um just like um, people in the middle ages were tempted to view their lives in the same way that the priest what they did was holy sacred set apart but what the, the, the cobbler did, or the miller did, or the smith did, or the farmer did. Those were all more uh, just base, natural sorts of things. They weren't as important as the holy things of God. And of course, Luther, um, as part of the Reformation theology, really brought this idea back that whatever we do, whatever God has given us, uh, whatever gifts, abilities, talents, they all are holy. They all belong to God. They're all to be used to the glory of God. And this sort of revolutionized, did it not, uh, coming out of the Reformation, the, this idea of the Protestant work ethic, that what we do, whether we eat, sleep, drink, do it all for the glory of God. And this is a great um, just lesson for us, even in our day, right? Because we tend to think, hey, does what I do matter? Um, Pastor Paul, I'm, you know, I, I'm a lawyer, I'm a doctor, um, I'm a teacher, I'm a secretarial assistant, I'm a stay-at-home mom, um, or I do manual labor, you know, I work, I work on power lines, or 
I, I, um, I do landscaping and we can go on and on and on. And, and is, is that, is that worthy in God's eyes? Is that holy? Um, it seems like what you might do as the, as a pastor are, is much more sacred, much more important. And I think what we can learn from a text like this is the resounding answer is no. Okay. Um, all of us are made in the God in God's image. All of us have been endowed, given, right, certain gifts, certain abilities, um, certain talents, and we are to steward and use those for the glory of God. And now we might say, well, but that that's that's all great, Pastor Paul, but but what these men were making, right, were the holy things of God. They were the things of the temple. Let me ask you a question. Where are all these items now? Where are all of these furnishings, okay, that were to outfit the Old Testament temple and tabernacle? Well, we know they're gone. They're perished, okay? They have disappeared. They've either been plundered over the centuries or they've been stolen uh, by conquering invading armies or they've been covered over by sandstorms or they've been melted down into jewelry and um, and weapons and those sorts of things. They're, they're lost. They're, they're, you know, Indiana Jones and the, and the, and the Ark of the Covenant, notwithstanding all these things are, are lost. They're perishing. They're, they're done away with. And for good reason, right? Because we don't need them anymore. They are, um, fulfilled in the person and work of Christ. So does that mean what Oliab and, um, Bezalel, did was insignificant or unimportant because what they did, what they made, didn't last. And of course, again, the answer is a resounding no. You see, everything we do in this life, okay, um, will perish, okay, from the standpoint of the businesses we build. Um, even churches, right, okay, uh, none of the churches that were founded in the New Testament are still there. Okay, God promised to build his church, but he didn't say that um, each and every single local expression of the church was going to last forever. So we, we think about, if you're a doctor, the bodies that you work on, okay, to, to nurture to health are going to perish, right? Um, the buildings we build are going to collapse. The articles of the tabernacle and tent of meeting are going to fade away. Um, everything we do in this life in a material sense is passing. Does that mean what we're doing today is insignificant? Uh, moms, you're investing in your children at home. Um, one day, right, um, as we all will, they will they will die as we will all die unless Jesus comes back and we hope he does. Does that mean what we have invested in is insignificant, right? You get the point. And of course, again, once again, the answer is a resounding no. That, that what we do lasts for eternity in God's eyes because it honors him, it glorifies him, um, it builds his kingdom. He uses it to build his kingdom. Um, he, we know that the two things that will last forever, um, the word of God and the souls of men and women, and everything that we do in this life, right, done to the glory of God um, is precious in God's sight is enduring in God's sight, will be used in God's perfect timing to bring himself honor and glory. Um, and here we are now, 3,500 years later, reading about Oliab and Bezalel, and there's millions, billions like them. Um, we'll never know their names, but they worked um, for the glory of God 
on the task set before them by God, trusting that God would use their labors and efforts to bring glory to himself, to honor him, to build his kingdom, to take the gospel of peace forward to people. So Christian, whatever God has called you to do, it's a holy calling. It's a holy vocation. And um, we're to do it with all our might and the power of the spirit for his glory, trusting that he is going to use it in ways that we have no idea. Does what I do matter, Pastor Paul? 100% because God said it matters. And this is something we learned from Oliab and Bezalel. All right, so there we are. And by the way, one, one last thought. All the more reason to say, God, let me make this life count. Let me come to you asking how I am to use the gifts, abilities, talents, resources that you've entrusted to me um, in this life to build your kingdom, spread the gospel, bring honor to yourself. Let's all have that posture today and say, God, show us these things. Okay, that's Exodus 31. We will jump tomorrow to the very, very, very infamous story of the golden calf and how it all goes so wrong so quickly um, for people who've been called to follow God. So let's put that on our calendar. See you tomorrow morning, same time, same station. Let me pray. Lord, we pray that we would see whatever gifts, abilities, talents that you have entrusted to us, that they're gifts of yours. And we want to use them wisely, faithfully. Help us to leverage them. Help us to have an eternal mindset. Help us to see that all things in you are made um, to be used to glorify you and to serve others. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. See you tomorrow.